Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of 28 Days Ladier. I am your host, Sophie, joined as always by the why did I not look up a word again? You guys, I'm just out of practice. We're going to go with hopeful because <laughs> that's a word I see on a book in front of me. My hopeful co host, Hannah. How's it going, Hannah? Um,. Good. Um, I was about to say, you don't know my life. You don't know if I'm hopeful. I was gonna say I just described a lot of hope to you, so I hope that I hope that you're feeling it. Yeah. I, I feel know. hopeful that you're hopeful. I'll take it. I'll take it. I think I I think I'm pretty hopeful. I think I I think I can um receive that. <laughs> well good. Um, dear listeners, this is our first episode in a special little series we're gonna do for Women in Horror Month. Ooh, so ooh. February is Women in Horror Month. It is also Black History Month. And so in order to try to um, pay homage to both and sort of acknowledge both, we have picked four films for this month. They are all directed by women. Two of them are directed by women of color and two of them are directed by white women. So we are uh, going to jump around and do a little bit of everything. But I thought, Hannah, since this is our first uh, week in Women of Horror Month this year, can you give me, like, I didn't prep you for this beforehand, but I would love to sort of get a, an idea of what it's like for you to be a female horror fan um, in a fandom that's not always super welcoming to women. Wow. Um, yeah, we were just talking before we started recording. Like, what should we talk about? Like... Oh, a little couple quips, maybe tell some stories, and then you just drop that on me. Sophie like. swung in with a heavy hitter. Um, yeah, for real. I think, um, for me, sort of two things. Like, number one, um, like, now that I'm single, I have a different view of being a woman in horror only because... Sometimes there's movies I really want to see, but I'm scared to watch by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so you just, like, you're you're bummed because you want a partner with you when you watch stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's more about being a single horror fan than a female horror fan. But, um, and then my other thing would be that um, I'm very excited about being a female horror fan right now um, because I feel like, because horror is always a genre that's really able to kind of, like, play with conventions in a way that other genres aren't as able to do so, like, openly or, like, blatantly. Mm -hmm. um, I like how horror is really doing that a lot with gender dynamics right now. Yeah. Um, so I think that at times it could be a frustrating perspective with horror movies at times, but that in particular right now, I see some really cool stuff happening where I'm actually really excited um, to be coming in with that perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. I am, as we record this, I'm sort of just on the heels of, I attended Sundance virtually uh, for Bloody Good Horror and I watched several movies that sort of fall into the thriller and sci-fi and horror genre. And it was really exciting. I watched five movies, Hannah. One of them was a documentary, but the four narrative films I watched were all written and directed by women and starring women. Ooh, ooh. Um, which I didn't do on purpose. I didn't realize that at all when I went into the, the festival. I sort of didn't even look for it because I just... 
I think from the majority of, of history and our historical experience as horror fans, I was sort of like, oh yeah, horror movie, probably directed by a man, not even going to check. And then, you know, each one, they would let the director intro the movie before it started. And every single time I was like, this is so exciting. Um, so, you know, I really, I just really love sort of, like you said, I think that horror is a genre that I think is able to be reflexive and adaptive quicker than a lot of other genres are to what's going on. And so I am just really excited that we have come from a place where literally two years ago, Jason Blum was like, we don't work with female directors because there aren't any. Um, and tonight we're going to be talking about a film produced by Jason Blum's own production company, Blumhouse, mm -hmm. um, that is written and directed by women. And I think all, all, most, if not all of the crew um, were women as well. I just finished listening to an interview um, with the director who was sort of like name checking, you know, her, her DP and her cinematographer and everyone else. And it was just really exciting um, to hear that. So um, yeah, it's, it's an exciting time to be a lady in the genre. And, you know, we have movies like uh, Promising Young Woman and The Invisible Man coming out sort of like uh, putting men on their toes a little bit, which I think we we over here at 28 Days Later, we like that, right? Mm-hmm. Here at Lesbian Horror Movie Podcast, <laughs> we love that. <laughs> we love the idea of putting men on their toes. We both have... Our wine glasses that we clink at the end of every episode uh, are always full of men's tears. Um, and, you know, our, like, angry lesbian feminist hearts are just full up of joy. They know no other way to be but full of joy and angry at the same <laughs> time. Now, Hannah, I think you said up top that you had a story to share with us. Yes, I have a brief story because there's not so much to tell. It's more just like a, huh, well, so I had a wet dream. <laughs> yes. For the first time ever. Okay. I didn't even know that could happen to ladies. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, I was taking a nap. And I had a sex dream while I was napping. And what was really funny is that I woke up and I was like, that was a really weird sex dream. Like, it wasn't even a good one. It was just weird. Yeah. And then I went to go pee when I woke up from my nap. And, like, when I was wiping after I peed, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> And then I realized that there that I had to uh, come while I was sleeping, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious because it was only a couple years ago where you'd be like, "Well, you know me. I don't really have sex dreams. I have dreams about people where like we're hanging out and like holding hands, and it's like really awesome." Yeah, my so look how dreams, far you've come. <laughs> my sex dreams always used to just be like, like a PG thirteen movie, where it was like we would, like, notice each other from across the room, and then we'd start talking, and, like, I would be like, oh! And you'd wake <laughs> up being like, I feel sated. Yeah, I would wake up being like, well, I feel good. I never have to have sex, ever. That was also, like, before I really started having sex very much, because I feel like there's no way this hasn't come up on the podcast before that I was, like, an extremely late bloomer. Oh, um, yeah, we've talked about it. You uh, thought that there was uh, peanut butter in armpits or something. Right, 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 right. So, yeah. <laughs> 
into deep into like my twenties, I was like, a sex dream for me is like, like, the meet cute of a movie, with like to completion. Like plans are made to hang out again, and I would be like, <laughs> woo! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, um, <clears throat> wow! I'm definitely gonna have to. I mean, I do every time, but I'm gonna have to be careful and make sure I really slip an explicit label on this episode, Hannah. Oops. Um, I don't know where we go from here. So uh, this week we're talking about the craft legacy. I have no segue from Hannah's wet dream to this movie about witches. But that's um, where we are. I have a segue for you. One time oh, I hooked up God. with a girl on a beach. Yes. During a full moon. And did, you hit, did you hit all four corners? And <laughs> I mean... Before we started hooking up, she asked me if I was a witch, and I was like, I, I don't know. And then she was like, I'm telling you, you are. And then we had sex on the beach, so who knows what kinds of magic were created that evening. Wow. I assume that it was like this the beach scene in the original craft. I assume that's what happened during your sex scene. Like, you weren't aware of that? It was just, like, happening around you? Yeah, probably. Um... So, Hannah, do you want to synopsize the craft legacy for us? Um, you go ahead, because I was <laughs> like, I'll do it. And then I was like, but how do I? So I want you to do it. <laughs> All right. Here we go. So the craft legacy is obviously a sequel to the 1996 classic film, The Cult. The Cult. Good Lord. The Craft. Um... So this movie is about a girl named Lily. Wait, let me she, interrupt you just one second to say that, yeah. funny enough, um, I was Googling it because I thought, like, oh, it's fun how, like, the teenage girls in this actually look like teenagers. And sure, most of them are, like, in their early 20s, but they were all born in 1997. They weren't which, even born when it came out. Yeah, which really cracked me up. I was like, oh, so none of these people were even on this planet when this movie first came out. Anyway, well, but <laughs> for reasons that we'll talk about later, that kind of makes sense. Um, so this movie is about a girl named Lily. She and her mom are moving to a new town. And so we get the the beginning of a film that feels very sort of like comfortable and something that we're used to in especially in horror movies of like a family, especially a family that's like not a complete nuclear family is, like, moving all of their earthly possessions to a different place in the country. We're seeing, and, a, we're seeing a car pulling a moving truck, and there's trees around. <laughs> yep. So it is uh, Lily, played by Kaylee Spaney, and her mother, um, Helen, is played by Michelle Monaghan. They are driving, and they're jamming to... Um, Alanis Morissette and Lily gets kind of emotional and then her mom gets kind of emotional. And I actually really liked this opening sequence because I feel like it does a really good job of sort of giving us an idea of this mother and daughter and their relationship. And I really liked the dynamic they create, but we don't know yet where they're going or why they're moving. So they get to their destination and we learn that they are moving because Helen has met someone um, and she has decided that she and her daughter will move in with this man and his three sons. So the man that she has met 
is Adam, played by David Duchovny. I did not know he was going to be in this, and I got so excited. Me too. I was like, um, David, I literally wrote down, David Duchovny being my stepdad as a teenager would have given me confusing pants feelings. <laughs> I mean, maybe less if he was the stepdad from this movie, but um, but yes, 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 yes. <laughs> So, yeah, it's really interesting because I noted this right away. So, obviously, his name's Adam, and then all his sons have biblical names. His sons' names are Isaiah, Jacob, and Abe, which I assume is short for Abraham. So, you have these, like, very, very biblical names. And um, we also meet three... Uh, three contemporaries of Lily's, three girls that are in her school around the same age as her, and their names are Lourdes, Frankie, and Tabby. And we see that they are, like, trying to start their own little coven, but they only have three of the four corners, and they're just not able to um, harness the kind of, like, power that they need without a fourth. So... I can promise you I'm not going to remember, like, any of their names. That's fine. So (laughs) Lily's first day of school does not go great. She gets her first period uh, while she's in her class and um, she is sort of like mocked and made fun of and she leaves the classroom. The three girls come in after her and sort of like, you know, try to cheer her up and they give her a clean pair of shorts to wear and it's sort of like, well, that's the a very trendiest nice thing pair of, of gym shorts I ever saw. I know, no kidding. And it's <laughs> like, it's very sweet. And you're like, that's very nice of them. And then it's like, oh, but they, this is like very targeted. They were like, we think that she can be our fourth. Um, and so they sort of like invite her to to join their group of friends. And the four of them sort of like become their own coven. And things kind of escalate from there. So. Hannah, I, I actually don't know the answer to this. Why don't you tell me first if you've seen the original craft and sort of what your relationship to that movie is like and then what you thought of this one. Um, I have seen the original craft and I love it. Um, I didn't see it for a very long time though. So mm-hmm. definitely when I first saw it, it was like different than I, because I had just heard so much about it. I think I I still really love it, but I expected like a little more from it. Um, which also kind of played into me, like, really loving this movie because, like, um, just because I had heard such awesome things about the first one for so long before I saw it, mm-hmm. I was expecting maybe it to be a little less, like, aggressively heteronormative. <laughs> the original one? Yeah. I mean, Hannah, it was 1996. I know. <laughs> I know. So I just, yeah, so I just didn't expect like that part of it and um and again I still love that movie and it's a great movie but like when I first saw it I was expecting it to be a little bit different um sure so this was really fun for me but also because me personally watching this was even more exciting because um and it's funny because you mentioned Sundance so it's always been a dream of mine to go to Sundance and um when I was about the age of the main character in this movie, I used to, every year, go on IMDb, read about all the Sundance movies, and then, like, order them from Netflix to be delivered, back when that was the only way to get the movies yep. from Netflix. And um, there was a movie that I asked Dad to get for me for, like, a year and a half called Breaking Upwards. And I would watch the trailer, like, every week for, like, a year and a half until I could finally get it through Netflix. 
and that was the writing directorial debut of Zoe Lister-Jones, who wrote and directed this movie. Yeah. So, it was really exciting for me to watch this, too, because when I was this age, I was obsessed with her. And That's really cool. To watch a movie that was written by her about girls, like adolescent girls, like discovering their power, it was so like full circle to me because, yeah, when I was, when I was like 14 or 15, I was obsessed with her. Like, if you haven't seen Breaking Upwards, I highly recommend it. It's a great movie. It's a good breakup movie. Um, it's one of those ones where it's like, um, my best friend John and I always say that Whenever either of us goes through a breakup, we always say, like, don't watch Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind too soon, mm. but also don't watch it too late. <laughs> and Breaking yeah. Upwards is like that, because it's basically, like, a couple who's breaking up, but they are struggling, so they decide to stay together on some days and then break up, like, be broken up some day. Like, basically, it's like a divorce parent schedule where they'll be like we'll be together on like monday and tuesday and then broken up wednesday thursday and then we'll alternate weekends um but it's a great movie and i remember when i watched it when i was younger i was just like so enthralled by this like woman who wrote directed starred in this movie that was like had such her voice so to get to see this movie was like so exciting for me because i was just like yeah, I'm just so proud of her. <laughs> That's so cool. I had no idea that that was the ex- an experience you had with Zoe Lister-Jones. That is very cool. Yeah, and I've always really, really loved, like, her work in general. And I find her to write with such a believable voice mm-hmm. for multiple people. And I thought that this movie was a great example of that, too, because it was, like, every character felt very natural and I think it's a lot of times hard for old like for people to write teenagers and have it sound yes like it makes sense but also for her to be writing like multiple teenagers that sound like actual people adults that sound like actual people like um uh spoiler alert like a bisexual character that sounds like a very real experience like mm-hmm. there was a lot Yeah, that I was just, like, part of what I loved about her first movie was that there were a lot of very complex characters that felt so fleshed out to me, and I was so impressed that she could write, like, men and women and make them feel very, like, actual real people. And so Mm -hmm. watching this, I was like, this is, like, everything I've ever, like, I was just so in awe of her because I've just been obsessed with her for a very long time. But anyway. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, I, um... I also came to The Craft later in my life. I probably didn't watch The Craft until I was out of college. Um, but I I love it and sort of like have a lot of nostalgia for it, even though it hasn't been a part of my life experience for as long as it has been for a lot of other folks. Um, I, I think that I do, despite the fact that I love it a lot, like it is not a film that is without... Uh, flaws and I loved the ways in which this film sort of sought to correct some of the things that the original craft could have done better like so one of those things that is in a really big way a a pretty big shift from the original is um, Lovey Simone who plays 
uh, Tabby, you know, she she gets to have a storyline and a personality that is not just the fact that she's the black friend, which like Rachel True in the original craft is amazing. But so much of Rachel True's character and story is like, she's black and that's all that we know about her. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I really, really loved, um, like you said, all the characters were, were really fleshed out. So that was awesome. And I just love like how, broadly diverse uh in like race and experience and everything else this group of friends was it just felt um very much more reflective of the time we're living in now than maybe what hollywood was doing in the 90s um i think for me this movie really benefited from the fact that i went in with incredibly low expectations because when it came out so many people that i know were like eh, it was okay Um, so I really went into this being like, all right, well, it's probably not going to be that good. And I just, I was really blown away by it. I really liked it a lot. Um, I think we'll get into this as we talk more, but for me, it is a very true, like spiritual sister to the 2019 Black Christmas remake. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt that too. (laughs) Like, I think that the, the, uh, the influence of that movie is felt throughout this. And I love having something like this for like even younger girls, right? Like for high school age girls. Um, I also wanted to say, cause I didn't know if you realized this, um, did you recognize or did you know Frankie who is, um, so Lourdes is the, the trans girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Frankie and Pamela- Tabby. Adlon's daughter? Yeah, Pamela Adlon's daughter. I was like, she looks so familiar she and I can't figure out exactly why. She looks exactly like her. She looks so much like her. I knew her. it right away. I was like, oh my God, she must be. And then I like Googled it. I was like, yeah. dang. Yeah, she so, looks exactly like her. <laughs> it's really funny because um, do you watch, have you, or do you, have you watched Pamela Adlon's show Better Things? I have not, but I've been thinking I might start now. It's really good. I love it. Jeremy and I, you know, have watched every single episode and just absolutely love the shit out of that show. Um, and it's so funny because obviously it is uh, largely autobiographical. I mean, obviously things are changed and sort of heightened for the the storytelling aspects. But like she has a character in the movie who it like she has three daughters in the movie like she does in re- or in the show like she does in real life. So um, that was just kind of interesting, like seeing her real daughter, who I assume the character is like an analog of, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the show was like very interesting to me. Yeah. Um, um, side note, I haven't watched Better Things yet, but I did just watch all of Rami in like a day. Um, oh, yeah. I haven't watched all of that. Jeremy and I watched a couple episodes, but I haven't seen the whole thing. It was really good, but I will say, like, the second season, first season is really good, really funny, really fun, but also, like, really beautiful in how it depicts, like, being a young person and caring about your faith. Mm-hmm. Um, second season, I think, gets kind of darker and mm-hmm. goes a lot more into, like, um, I think more into, like, being a depressive person. Mm. Um, and so it was funny because, like, watching it, I started off watching it like, I'm going to watch this show as a distraction. And then when I got into season two, I was like, this show is feeling way too real for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hannah, let's let's get our hands dirty, so to speak, and really jump into this movie because I, I don't know about you, but I have a shit ton of notes. Um, yes, me too. 
let's start with if it's okay with you because this feels like a good place to sort of start after the synopsis that I gave you like let's start by talking about the sequence where Lily gets her period um because that is very much like that's a trope that we have seen in so many movies so many tv shows it it's everywhere um the idea that like a girl gets her period for the first time and she doesn't have um whatever and it's a very traumatizing and embarrassing experience for her I thought this scene was masterfully done like she has bled through her pants in such a way that blood drips onto the floor and this guy sitting behind her is like calling out how gross it is and pointing it out to the whole class and saying like it's like a crime scene which made me laugh because mm-hmm. a couple of years ago I took a I took a quiz on BuzzFeed that was like how metal is your period that was just sort of like listing like crazy bonkers gross and it was like very ch- tongue in cheek mm-hmm. but just sort of like highlighting how absolutely absurd periods are and how absurd it is that like women just do this every month and don't really talk about it and men don't really have a concept of how gross it is like the I just like it made me laugh so hard. And then later when we see her in the bathroom and she just has blood like all over her hands. I feel like we never get to see that portrayed. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, having your period is really fucking messy and you're going to get your blood. Like you're yeah. going to get it on your clothes. You're going to drip on the floor. You're going to get it on the couch. You ever you're going to get it on to you where like you change your pad or your tampon and then like you start doing something else and then like realize that there's been blood on your hand for like an hour um so i should clarify that uh the birth control (laughs) i'm currently using i don't have i don't get a period right now um but when i did get my period before switching to this birth control uh i used a a menstrual cup so like i was very used to having blood everywhere and having to like scrub like rub blood out of my cuticles i had to be like really careful when i'd wash my hands after yeah. i changed my cup because it would just be like there would just be blood in my cuticles yeah i used to have, when i was in um in high school and i first got my period like which we've also discussed on this podcast before <laughs> um you know like well i wrote too in my notes um when uh pamela adlon's daughter said you have a flow you have a heavy flow which is something to celebrate I said Sophie and me feeling very seen. Oh my god, for sure. I was like, if only someone had told me this yes, as a teen. You and I both had very heavy periods, and also I, because I, I don't know if it was because I got my period so late or what, but like I used to get my period twice a month, so it would be your like, body was just like we're making up for lost time for dude. real. So it would literally be like a week on, a week off, a week on, a week off, and there were so many times where I would be like, I would like. Realized I was going to, like, bleed through my pants, run to the bathroom to, like, change my tampon or my pad or usually, yep. like, a combination of both. Yeah. And then, like, scrub my hands and then, like, go back to math class and realize that there was, like, blood on my elbow. And just be like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, <laughs> how did it get here? But, yeah, so, like, I, I totally agree with what you say, too, of what, what you said about, like, the, that that reaction of like, oh, it looks like a crime scene and all that is like, and I remember we talked about this before on the podcast too, where it was like the, like the act of getting your period is so bananas. Mm -hmm. And the fact that like, 
men are just like, I can't deal with it. So don't mention it or do anything about it around me because it's too terrifying for me. And it's like, yeah. can you imagine if it actually was coming out of your body? Like, right, exactly, exactly. Like to bleed, to just be bleeding from your body for so days. frequently is for so crazy. Days. Yeah. And we all just like do it and just like keep it moving. And it's so. You are literally just hemorrhaging for a couple days every month. And men act like if you talk about it or like reference it or in any way allude to the fact that this happens to you, you're like a disgusting trash person. Yes. And, like, and it's like, nope, you don't get to. You don't honestly, get to. You don't get to have an opinion about it. Yeah. Frankly. It's so funny that you say it that way too because it's like. I remember my friend one time in college referring to it as hemorrhaging, and I was like, I will never refer to having my period any other way than I'm hemorrhaging. Or, like, I'm hemorrhaging for a few days, so, like, leave me alone. Yeah, Um, no kidding. No kidding. Yeah, so I loved that. And then also, but also I felt very sad because... Because, okay, so, like, what I literally wrote in my notes of, like, when I realized what was happening was, oh, my God, I would die. And then I went, womp, womp, happened to a girl in my grade. That's so sad. Because when I was in high school, no, middle school, mm-hmm. I was out sick. And when I came back to school, all my friends were like, oh, my God, did you hear what happened yesterday? And I was like, no, what? And this girl in my grade, we were in seventh grade, and a girl in my grade had gotten her first period just like this. Like, she was in a biology class, and Mm. it bled through her pants, and she didn't realize, and a boy in the class pointed it out. And then they also, like, this feels like an overreaction, but my female biology teacher evacuated the classroom to clean up the blood. Oh, my God. So they made everybody, like, go wait in the hallway while she cleaned up the blood. Oh, that is just, that's not how you handle it. Yeah. It's also that like, to a she's girl. a biology teacher. Like, what does she think is going to happen? <sighs> and then that girl um, in my grade, like, to make matters so much worse, and I'm, I almost wish that I had been there that day because I really wish I could have been there to be like, fuck all of you. Um, although I was, I would have probably been too chicken, but I would have at least, like, tried to say something to her about it. But, um, when everybody went down to the locker room to change for sports, when she opened her locker, it was full of tampons. Oh my god. I mean, that's some carry shit, dude. I know. Like, literally, like, it came, like, spilling out of her locker. Like, oh. they, like, loaded her locker with tampons. Gosh, see, people are just so mean sometimes. So awful. Ugh. So seeing this, so seeing this, I was like, I bet for a lot of people this feels like really dramatic. And then I was like, ugh, what really sucks is that it's like so true. It's very, it's very real. It's very, very real. Um, Even like the girl later on who was like, my favorite kind of movie is that period piece. It's like, bitch, you get your period too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was, that was, I mean, again, we'll get to it. This movie is incredibly well written and great. Um, I want to go back to something you said earlier about having confusing confusing pants feelings about David Duchovny as your stepdad. And I'm wondering if you'd still feel that way if you realized that he had washed your period jeans without asking and then left them folded on your bed. 
Okay, see, and when again, you have lived there for one day, so okay, I wouldn't think that that's that weird, like for him to wash your jeans, like for him to like do your laundry and not make a big deal out of it. I actually thought was kind of nice. Um, mm-hmm. I read it as sinister immediately. Really? Because when yes. she thought it was her mom, she was like, "Hey, mom, thanks," and then her mom was like, "I don't know what you're talking about." Oh, yeah, like, but I'm with her where, like, I would have thought it was really nice if my mom did that because, like, she understands and it's a common experience. Like, yeah, but I if, feel if like he was also at- being, like, if he was trying, because, okay, this is also, like, before we knew he was, like, that sinister. Well, so I want to, I, what I was trying to say is it's not actually, well, it's before, okay, so we don't have a, hu- a great picture of him yet, but at this point we do know that, like, what he does for a living is, like, write books about how masculinity is under attack and, like, protecting, like... Yeah. She goes in his office and there's, like, articles about how he's saving masculinity and he has a book called The Hallowed Masculine. So, like, I think that's why it read as sinister for me because at this point we already know that he as a person is like very invested in gender dynamics in a way that seems problematic. Yeah, I just like, um, I, so also like when this first started, like when we first started and also because it's David Duchovny, I liked him at first and I wrote, I like seeing a blended family where it's not some kind of evil and then mm. later on I had to write, well, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, it doesn't go great. It doesn't go well. Um, but <laughs> I will admit that, like, at least in the beginning, because of that, I was, like, really hoping for the best. So I was really reading that, like, he's adjusting to being, to becoming, like, a stepdad of a teenage girl. And mm. I read that as, like, he was, like, being cool about it and then I Got see it. like where you're coming from but that was also yeah. just because I really didn't want I was like you know being that we are from blended families like I wanted I wanted like the step parent not to be the bad person um and then yeah. I ended up being <laughs> not went down Hannah, you were just, like, spoiling the shit out of this movie and we're, like, the half an hour in. I do, I mean, like... You, you gotta at least lay a spoiler before you say things. Okay, well, I thought you kind of started going there with talking about his gender dynamics, like... I don't know. <laughs> I Guys, I've been alone in my apartment for, like, two, like, a week, okay? I haven't spoken to another person. <laughs> And I'm just excited to talk about this movie. And, like, yeah. if you can't handle that, that's on you. <laughs> so, so. What uh, makes me different is my power, okay? Yeah. And what we learned in this is that you shouldn't run from your, your power. None of us should. Um, so and the I heavier your flow out- is, the better you are at being a witch. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you caught this, but um, the way that they ask her to be their their fourth, their fourth corner is they use telepathy and she hears them and they all cut school. Well, she was in detention, so they all leave detention. And the first shot of them after they leave school is they're all walking down this like suburban sidewalk with all these hedges. And it is shot like exactly the same as Annie and Lori um, in the original Halloween when they see Michael behind the hedge. Mm-hmm. 
which I got really, really excited about. Because <laughs> you know I love me a Halloween reference. Always. Um, um, I also... So they, go ahead. Oh, I was also going to say I wrote um, right around that, both of those scenes in the movie, I wrote, this movie is giving me mad jeans envy. Because all of them were wearing such amazing pants that fit them so well that I was like, this is all I want for pants at all times. And um, also just the clothing in this movie was like... All their outfits are amazing. Amazing. But also so funny when there was like one scene of them all walking down, like a nod to the original where they're all like walking in a group mm-hmm. down the hallway. and Or maybe it was in the cafeteria. But I was like, wow, you can really see how much the 90s are like coming back when like half of what they're wearing literally looks like it could have been from the original movie. Yes, 100%. And like you wouldn't even know the difference. Um, Definitely. But I don't know about you, if you felt the same way, but also because you and I have been discussing buying pants a lot recently, where I got all excited to make an investment in jeans, like nice jeans from The Gap, and then none of them fit me. Oh, that's devastating. All of their jeans in this movie. I was like, man, why can't I just have a pair of jeans like that? <laughs> you need a costume department that will, like, fit you for I know, costume. right? I need a costume yeah. department whose entire job is to get me the exact right pair of, like, jeans that fit my waist and my butt perfectly, but that are, like, comfy and loose on my legs. Ugh. If, can we all have a personal costume department for finding us jeans? That would be great. Like, literally. like um, Can Biden our, put that into his, like, n- budget resolution? Like This is our Shark it. Tank pitch right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the girls, they've skipped school, and we get this, like, really great scene where they decide that they're going to, like, see if she really is their fourth, and they, they're going to take their coven for a spin, you know, like, see if it works. And I really, really love this scene because... We get them sort of talking about, um, you know, Frankie's sort of talking about the idea that, like, women and girls just are magic. Like, we have bodies that can grow babies and create life and, like, do all these amazing things. And that is inherently magic, which is just, like, A, an incredibly important message for high school-aged girls to hear, right? Mm -hmm. Like, all of that is great. Um... And I loved, you know, that then uh, Lourdes is like, well, not all of us can have babies, but that's okay. Trans girls are magic, too. Like, I thought that was like, ugh. I just loved, I just loved so much of the dialogue in this just, like, really warmed my heart Mm -hmm. um, and made me feel, like, watching this movie was kind of like, was just like a big hug. Like, it just felt like such a great, like warm hug of like lots of women being like being a woman is awesome yeah and also I loved I agree with you and like especially like um the fact that they're like in high school and they're being very supportive of each other and they're really like yeah they're just like really building each other up in a way that's great to see yeah and also I really loved how I wrote so many times in my notes how often, like, how they reacted so earnestly to their own magic. It killed me every time. Like, every time they did something and it worked, they would be, like, so genuinely shocked and excited. Yeah. I loved that because I was like, if I was, if I was, like, a young high school girl 
and I could all of a sudden, like, have these powers and shit, like, that would be how it would be. Like, you wouldn't be, like, only shocked the first time, and then you'd be like, cool, now I'm a masterful witch. It was like, every time they did anything, they were like, wow, did you see that? We just yeah. did that. This is nuts. And that made it even better, because it was, like, it was so genuine and believable in, like, their performance of of feeling... I think that was part of probably what feels like a warm hug is like their excitement over being empowered. Like, even though it's like through this like context of like this like analogy of um, witchcraft, like Mm -hmm. their genuine excitement over it every single time was like infectious. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I liked that, you know, um, in the original movie, The Craft, I think one of the things, um, one of the things that I don't, I shouldn't say I don't love about it. It's just like one of the things that I think is complicated for me, right? Is like, they each have their thing that they want to use magic for. Yeah. Like, Rachel True wants to get back at uh, this girl that has just been like a racist, horrible bully to her which is totally understandable. And Nev Campbell's character has these scars and she wants them to go away so that she can be beautiful and confident, which like, obviously there are some problems there that she's like, I have to make myself look quote unquote normal so that I can be confident. Yeah. Like that is a bummer. Um, and like Feruza Bulk, like just goes to a place where she she sort of goes immediately. I mean, like you said, like she goes immediately from like, this is so exciting to like, I can do anything I want and I'm going to like burn it all down. I don't care. And so like, I loved that this movie chose to move the conflict somewhere else so that it wasn't within their group. It was outside. I mean, we do see some conflict in their group later, but I liked that the movie didn't become about the members of the group having to defeat one of their own. Yeah. Because that like, while it works in the craft and I'm not saying that the the original craft needs to be any different. It was really nice to see a movie where throughout these women are just like working together and supporting each other. And even when they have problems with each other, they, they work it out and they keep coming back together. I agree with you. I think that's part of what I mean when I say like, I had heard so much about the craft that when I saw it, a part of me was a little disappointed because so much of that conflict hinges on the fact that, like, two of the girls like the same guy. Yeah. And then they, like, literally start, like, trying to kill each other over it. And I think watching that a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, man, I thought this movie was going to be a little more empowering than that narrative makes me feel. Um, I mean, in fairness, they're not entirely, they're not really trying to kill each other over the guy. Fruza Bulk is, like, trying to kill whatever the lead girl's name is because she is, like, powerful and trying to get Fruza Bulk to stop just doing whatever the fuck Yeah, she but she also, yeah, but there but is. But yes, they are, there is a conflict over a dude, for sure. Yeah, and I don't, I don't like that as much so yeah so especially because that dude was like a toxic shitty person it was like why are you guys fighting over this shit bag yeah seriously in the first place so i agree with you there that i do feel like this movie did such a good job too of like it's like and like you said it's not like the first craft has to be different but it's like 
Zoe Lister Jones did such a good job of being like, I'm gonna take the parts of the original craft that you love so much, yeah, and and then I'm gonna take some things where that movie was coming out at a different time, and I'm going to like take those little things and make it exactly what you wanted, like exactly what you wished it would have been. So exactly, I love that, and I love that uh, the storyline of turning the bully into basically like being woke (laughs) yeah i was gonna say so that was a that's exactly what i was gonna transition into so in the original craft we have i think the person who is sort of like the analog for timmy is skeet ulrich's character and he goes on one date um with the new girl in school who i should look her name up because i feel bad uh the shaved head girl from um empire records <laughs> right, but I was trying to find your character name. That's Sarah. Who she'll always be to me. So he goes on one date with Sarah, and she does not want to go as far as he wants to go sexually, and he's kind of a dick about it. And then he starts a rumor at school that like they fucked, and she was bad at sex. And classic the, Skeet Ulrich. Because the way that that film decides to deal with it is like they get their revenge by putting a love spell on him to make him fall in love with her, which is like. Again, why do you want this guy? Like, this guy is trash. Um, So I really like that they, again, like you said, they take a thing from the original and they're like, let's do it a different way. So Hannah, why don't you tell us about what happens to Timmy? Like, what do they, what do they do to him? Well, so yeah, in my, in my notes, I wrote, LOL, they took the dick and they turned him woke. So basically they put a spell on him to like unlock... Like, his, essentially, like, his ability to, like, understand other people's perspectives. To empathize, right? They, like, they, like, want him to access his best self. Yes. But how do they do it, Hannah? Oh, you mean, like, the spell that they do? Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, they, like, okay, well, that was one thing that I was, like, this is wild. Because I wrote who breaks into people's houses, like, casually. When they've, like, they just figured out they had power. They just figured out. The first thing they do is, like go into this person's house like how do you know no one's home like they find the key and go straight in and then they take um i guess they take his jizz yeah but it seemed like probably like a jizz tissue or something yeah because they didn't show it which i was wondering like why is that a ratings thing you can't show it but it must have been because like they did say come but they must not have been able to show Show whatever whatever it was was. because they needed like something from his person in order to cast the spell yeah and they mix it together with like some rocks and things and they put it in in a a bong bong, which they called a cauldron (laughs) which was great and then they like put it on his pillow and then his parents come home and they like gotta leave and it basically just like it literally like like unlocked his ability to like have a perspective on the world because Mm -hmm. then we learn a lot more about his character that I feel like explains a lot of his behavior yeah up until that point but it's like the spell is also able to like give him the perspective to understand himself and where he fits like in the world around him better yeah and that that kind of turns him into like this much better version of a of a male character in a film i suppose um but i also felt like they made a good point too 
later on in the movie when things happen with him and the girls are, like, upset about if it's, like, their fault and Pamela Aldon's daughter, Adlon's daughter, says, like, are we at fault because we did not have his consent for that right. either. Right. And I also thought that was a really... I thought that was so good because it was, like, I loved I loved the idea of, like, taking the douchiest version of a... Like, the douchiest caricature in the in the movie mm-hmm. and, and turning him into, like, this person who's all of a sudden, like, able to, like, have a perspective and see... And, like, be vulnerable. And be vulnerable. You know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, like, and sort of, like, really talk about some things that I think most men would benefit from talking about if they felt comfortable. Um, I loved all of that. But I also love the fact that in the end, they still made the point to be, like, that was all great, but don't forget, like, we did not have his consent to do that to him. And, like, without his consent, it's not fair. Yeah. And I liked that a lot. Yeah, I I really liked this turn because I think a lesser writer could have done the same thing and been like, we're going to make the jerk into, like, a woke person and, and, like, made that a joke, right? Like, made him, like, the butt of jokes. Mm -hmm. And, like, I was worried at first that's where they were going. Like, the first time we see him acting differently is when they're watching a video, like, a sex ed video that's about consent in class and some guy is, like, being a real tool about it. Um, and Timmy kind of calls him out and is like, you're being a jerk. And then says to the teacher, like, why have you not sent him to the principal's office? Mm -hmm. Like he is saying stuff that's really, and like, I was so worried that it was going to become this thing where they were like, um, really making a joke out of him being like, quote unquote, soft now. Like, yeah, I was really worried they were going to turn it too far and be like, ha ha, isn't it funny? And like you said, I love that instead what happened is we learn so much about this character and we sort of get to see um, who he is. Like, and I and I think, A, I love that. I also love what interacting with him brings out of the other character, like the mm-hmm. female characters especially. Like, there's this great scene where they go to a party at his house and he's trying to apologize to Lily for, because he's the one who um, tormented her about her period. Um and he's like, I'm, uh, I was, what's the word I'm looking for? And she's just like an asshole, which is like, I loved again. Like if I, I would never have had the balls to do something like that in high school. And I love just seeing her be like, you were a jerk is what you're trying to say. Um, but at that same party, there's the sequence where like her friends call her to dance and Timmy goes with her. And so it's like the four girls and Timmy are mm-hmm. dancing and, you know, we've talked on this podcast before about heart sparkles. Like, I had such heart sparkles watching that sequence. And I was, like, so into his character. And I was like, oh, I'm into this because it is just, like, really, like, sexy and also beautiful to just see a man hanging out with women as though they are his equals. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing transactional. And he's being respectful, like... He's not dancing with them because he's trying to hook up with them. He's not trying to grind on them. 
He's like just being goofy and silly with them and enjoying them being goofy and silly. And it made me laugh really hard because right before that, when she and Timmy are talking, like she, he says something to her and she's like, oh, so chivalrous. And he goes, oh, is the bar that low? And as I was writing my note out, I was like, wow, the bar really is that low. Yes. I wanted to make out with that guy for just like, for just hanging like out being, with women as though they're human beings. Yes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, oh, like, I caught that too so hard because um, sometimes when I talk about, like, dating apps with my friends and I'm, like, uh, like, I went on a Zoom date recently and we're, like, I was, like, this is so stupid. Why do Zoom dates even exist? And, like, he didn't, it was a guy and he didn't, like, make his bed or anything in the yeah. background. And it was just, like, come on, man, like. All I'm going to see is, like, your shoulders and up, and you couldn't even make your bed. And my, like, my guy roommates were like, cool, so the bar's that low. All I really have to do is, like, make my bed, and I'm already better than most guys out there. So that, like, really made me laugh, because I was like, it really do be like that, where it's like, yeah, the bar is that low. It's so low. Um, But, and I also loved, I thought of you immediately, Sophie, that um, when they were in their sex ed class, and the one guy was like, where they were talking about consent, and it said, like... I know exactly. Yeah. And it said it's okay for, like, either party to, like, decide how far they want to go or whatever. And then the one guy, like, yelled out, like, yeah, if you want to give him blue balls. And, like, the last time we were together, we had this whole thing of being just like, ah, like, blue balls are not a thing. <laughs> like, um, yeah, so I loved... I loved all of that. But, yeah, I agree with you. Like, and it reminds me of kind of, like, with that scene in Freaky that we both loved is, like, him becoming, like, the man that we all want our men to be. Yeah. Was not played for laughs. Like, right. it was played in a way that also developed his character and... And it, like, added to the story and, and moved the story along. But it, it wasn't... Yeah, like, it wasn't comedic. Like, it wasn't like, right. oh, look, now he's, like, a feminine woman. Like, ha, 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 ha. And um, I guess since we're, like, going into this territory talking about it, like, for me, and like I said before, like, with the original craft, because of, like, watching it, a lot of the storyline being, like, not all of the storyline, like, we established, but part of the storyline having to do with, like, two girls who like the same guy who's a total yeah. trash heap. And that that, like, causes an issue in their, like, coven. I, in this movie, I was really like, okay, we're making the craft in 2020. I need to see some queer people. I need to see some gayness represented. Um, And so not only did we have a trans woman in in the coven itself, which I thought was amazing, and I loved how much they had these moments of, like, yeah, we're women, and we get our periods, and we can birth babies, and that's how we get all of our power. I loved how they had a trans woman being like, even if you can't do that, you're still a powerful woman. I thought that was amazing. Yep. And yep. then we get from um, the character of Timmy. Take that, JK Rowling. I feel like... Yes, right? I feel like it's such a good... It's like, oh, look, JK Rowling... Trans women can be witches, you asshole. Yeah. Um, and I thought the whole thing with, so Timmy is eventually, eventually has like sort of a confession that he is 
bisexual and that he really struggles with that in himself. And for me, I literally wrote in my notes, like, like, I am here for some bisexual representation in my movies. Like, I was so excited about that. And because I think, like, the, that is a perspective that I miss so much in mainstream media. And, like, you and I, when I came to visit you for Christmas, I forced you to watch all of Are You the One, Come On, Come All. Mm-hmm. Which is the sexually fluid uh, MTV dating show, but it was a dream. I loved it. It's the best. It. And like part of what <laughs> I love about that show is that a lot of the men, the sexually fluid men on that show. Well, actually, it's not a lot. It's just like literally we got a very beautiful spectrum of what a bisexual man can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always love any kind of representation in movies or TVs, TV shows, of showing, like, a bisexual man in a way that is, like, I don't know, just, like, it's not, not everybody has to all be one way. Yep. And... And he, and he makes that point, right? He says, like, it's really hard. Yeah. It's harder as a dude to come out as bi because everyone just assumes you're gay. And he's like, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I like both. And like, I'm not saying that that experience is unique to male folks that identify as bi because I think that that happens to bi folks of all gender expressions where people are like, oh, you're just this because like we need to put you in a dichotomous category. Yeah, or, like, um, if you're like me, like, every time a guy I've ever dated found out I was bi, he's like, oh, so you want to have a threesome? And I'm like, no. That, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I thought of you, especially because we had a lot of conversations about about this when you were visiting and, and watching Are You The One. Um, I, I thought you might appreciate... Um, that storyline. And I have to say, like, I just went on to love that character more and more. And there's like a very cute scene where they're like making out and hit hit her stepbrother is his best friend. And he like yells for him to come do homework with him, like science <laughs> homework with him. And he's like, I guess biology calls. And I was like, LOL, LOL, LOL. Um, and then he was like, oh, but I mean, like the other the other one. But like, Again, it was so sweet that, like, the, just, like, the kinds of little touches that you get in a movie like this when it's written by a woman and not by a man. Like, he's so caught off guard and when the guy, his friend calls and, like, looks embarrassed and whatever. But then he's like, I'm sorry. And then he kisses her again mm-hmm. and then he leaves to be like, yes, I got flabbergasted, but, like, I did mean to do that and now I'm going to go. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, very, very sweet. Um, and around this same time is when we're getting like a little bit more, um, of a perception that maybe stepdad is not great. Um, yeah, I wrote David Duchovny is way too invested in his kids' lives. Yeah. So we have like, before, before we get our sweet little kiss, like Timmy is at their house for dinner. Um, and he's talking about how a lot of men or all men have just like a lot of pain that's like living under the surface and like looks at Timmy and is like, especially now. And then I don't know if you caught this, but like um, her mom gets up to go get the dinner and Timmy offers to help. And David Duchovny's like, you don't have to do that. Like, yeah. 
And again, I think in a different context, in a different movie, that would be like, you're a guest, you don't have to help. But in this movie, it very much feels like that's the woman's job. Yeah. And you should just stay at the table. Um, and so we cut to the next day and we learn that Timmy was found dead that morning and it was an apparent suicide. Um, and the girls are devastated and they are worried that what they did had something to do with this. Um, Lily confesses that she did like a little love spell um, and that she was worried that Although and, I and the other say, girls. That scene, I was like, yes, she did do a love spell, but I was like, after what we've seen with sometimes they could just say things and it turns into a spell. And so I was like, what if she just jerked off with his jacket and accidentally turned into a spell? Like, Yeah, so it's interesting <laughs> because what happens, right, is like she says that she cast a love spell and it was right after she sort of cast her spell and started to masturbate that he came into the room. So she like, whatever, got up and that's when they kissed. So she tells her friends that and they assume that because she mm. cast a spell on someone who was already under a spell that it was their fault. It was, like, too much. And, right. So we're going to lay down a huge spoiler here. What we learn going forward is that David Duchovny is, in fact, evil. He's a warlock, and he's he has sought out... He's trying to make them his weach. Right? (laughs) In the terms of the covenant. (laughs) Like, what what we, I think, can safely assume is that he sought out her mom because he wanted to get access to her power when she yeah. came into power. Which I was so, glad they did because for a while I thought, for a while I thought, like, even when it was revealed that he was the bad guy, I still thought it was, like, uh, Timmy killed himself. So I was really happy that they had that, they threw that line in there of him being like, I had to kill him. <laughs> right, well, and and we get Timmy communicating with the rest of the coven via the Ouija board that, like, he killed me. Yeah. So... So, yeah, that's what I was going to say is I like that they clarify that that's how he died. Yeah. Because I understand, and I think, like you said, especially for the context of having a conversation around consent, I understand their concern that they had somehow harmed him. Mm-hmm. To me, and maybe this was just a thing that like could have been written differently, but I think it needed to be expressed this way because they needed the group to sort of like split for a little bit. Um it to me, it didn't seem like the spell she was casting was like a spell she was casting on him. It just seemed like yeah. she was like giving herself some mind, like some magic mind porn, mm-hmm. which is like so. So I like that they clarified that like he did not harm himself and her spell didn't hurt him. It was the stepdad. Yeah, um, I also because it's like masturbating is fine. Yes, I also think it was funny because um, no joke. Like for many years, I lived with three dudes. And, um, one of my roommates had a friend who was, like, the most beautiful man I'd ever seen. And, like, one time he left a shirt at our apartment. Mm -hmm. And I found it when I was, like, going, because we had had, like, a big party. So I was, like, going through coats. And I was, like, this smells so good. I was, like, whose is this? (laughs) And they were, like, oh, that's, I'm not going to use his real name. But they were like, oh, that's so-and-so's. And I was like, it literally smells so good, I think I'm pregnant. <laughs> is that the jacket that you left at our apartment? Yes, it is. 
So hilarious. I, had that, I wear it all the time now, but the smell's gone. Yes, That's why she's given it up. It's very comfortable, right? It's a nice jacket. It's a really nice jacket. But yeah. it smelled, honestly, for like six months. Like, it smelled so good. And I used to, when I would get high, I would like wear it around the apartment. And my dude roommates would be like, are you wearing like so-and-so's jacket again? Because that's really fucking weird. And I was like, listen, it's comfy and I love the way it smells. Like, I just don't yeah. know what else to tell you. So, well, and like that sequence really took me back to high school because I for sure had that like all guys in high school wear so much fucking cologne yes I like to this day if I like walk through a crowd or a store and like smell a cologne that my like sixth grade boyfriend wore I will immediately be like oh it smells like that guy like yeah the number of times I like borrowed a sweatshirt or like whatever so that I like, and would just, like, sit in my room and, like, smell Mel it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. For sure. So, yeah, I hey felt guys, very in case you didn't that. know, that's why we want your sweatshirts. It, like, that's it's why not because they look super cute on us. Years. It's because they smell so fucking good. Yes, that's so true. Although, <laughs> although it's so funny, like, in my notes I wrote, LOL, blanks sweatshirt did that too and then I went whoops never went that far though because then when she started like jerking off with it I mean I mean at least at 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 minimum she like put the jacket under like either on her lap or between her legs I'm assuming it went under the covers Mm -hmm. I don't know how involved it was in the manual process and I was like well that's a little weird but I was also like high school man (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I think, like, visually it had to be under the blanket, right? Because, like, if he walked in and yes. it was just, like, across her face, he'd be like, what, what the fuck? fuck? She'd be like, I'm meditating. Um, yeah, that was also so, so funny to me when she said, I'm meditating. He's like, why are you in bed? It's 8 p.m. And she was like, I'm meditating. So, that was so cute. Um, so let's talk about the end of the movie. So um, – they the girls sort of like there's a rift in their group because they're all upset i think they're really upset with themselves and each other but they're all sort of like they've established that like lily's the one that committed that did the spell and so they're mad at lily even though in reality they are upset with themselves yeah. and each like other they're not just they're her. worried that it's their fault and then lily kind of admits if it's anyone's fault it's probably mine yeah. and then they all kind of are like Cool, thanks. <laughs> it's right. your fault. But and then they I also love, still, I love how they still were like, when they decide to bind her powers, they're they like, we have own. to bind all of ours too because it's on all of us. I really love that too. I love that too. And I really like before that happens, when when Lily sort of confesses the spell that she did on her own, um, again, really taking pains and care to set itself apart from the original not that there's anything wrong with the original i think we've both established that we both like the original a lot but like i love we're just terrified someone's gonna like come for us in the comments about (laughs) i love that they're like the whole reason that we've been doing this was to build trust and build community Mm -hmm. which is like so the opposite like in the original movie these girls like want want power because they're teenage girls in high school and high school fucking sucks and they all have their personal thing. All the things they're dealing with are very real and very painful and they want a way to grapple with those things. But I love that the way that we're imagining it now is that like these girls still want power, but what they want more than power is like a safe 
place to be themselves and try new stuff and feel loved and supported in a very non-judgmental space. And I thought that was a very cool, I'm glad they included that line because it just felt like we just want you to know this is where this is like this is what we're aiming for with this movie. Yeah, well, and I also think that too kind of went along as well with like the fact that the fact that we see them in a sex ed class and the sex ed that they're being taught is about consent, which I was like, wish more sex ed was like that. Yeah, um, well, I'm sure that was a very intentional directorial yes, choice. Yes, yes, yes. And then. Like, there was a... And then with their powers and everything, there's a question of if it was their actions that led to this and if it's because they did not have the person's consent. And then at the end of it all, deciding, like, because we violated someone's consent, it's not on one person, it's on all of us. Mm -hmm. I just love how seamlessly they in intertwine and incorporated consent into everything in this movie yeah and that for like i would think and you know unfortunately i'm not a man so i don't know but (laughs) i would think that as a man watching this movie like if parts of this movie were threatening to me as a man you know because of the way that it sort of shines a mirror in a way that some people might be made uncomfortable by Mm-hmm. To see the girls who are the protagonists of the film being like, we are also, because of our actions, guilty of violating consent. Yeah. Like, that that could be... Power a- can be abused. Yes, and power exactly. Is like, that that was a very powerful tool and a very mm-hmm. powerful choice. Like, I feel like that part of the movie was not meant to speak to us, but more so meant to speak to, like, men watching the movie and I thought that that was like just like gorgeously done yeah I also really liked that um let's talk about the let's talk about our climax the finale of the movie we get a big showdown um Adam the stepdad sort of reveals himself to be the bad guy he takes Lily to the woods and he is trying to get her powers He talks a lot about her mom. So is the implication that he is her father? I mean, so spoiler, we learn later, like at the very end of the movie, that her mom is Feruza Bull and her character from the original movie, who's been in an asylum since the original movie ended, Um, which has some pretty troubling implications for how, um, how she was born and how she was... Uh, conceived. Conceived. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, I thought that. I was trying to say. I kept wanting to say created, and I was like, that is not the. Right I think it's because word. you're talking about Adam, and you're you got uh, creation on the brain. But um, is the implication supposed to be that like he's the dad, I, and that he impregnated like maybe through magic impregnated Veruza Ball? I legitimately read it as I think a we are supposed to think he's the dad. Um, mm-hmm. just because of how much it was like, no one knows the, who the dad is. And then when he talked about her, I thought it was, I thought the implication was more that he raped Feruza Bulk mm-hmm. in order to get her powers from her. Because he said that thing to her about like, the thing is, is that you can never give, or you can never take someone's power without them giving it to you willingly. 
And Furza Bulk wouldn't have given it to him. Exactly. And then and then Michelle Monaghan also saying that the one, like, the one caveat of her adopting this baby was for the daughter to never learn of her powers or who her mom was. And so I read it more like he probably raped her as a means of getting her to willingly give away her power and then when she had the baby she gave the baby away because she's in an asylum but was also like never let her know about her power so that this will never happen to her Mm. that was sort of like what i thought it was yeah it was it is a it is a troubling plot development for sure and we have um we have lily like i said squaring off against adam in the woods, we learn uh, we learned earlier that uh, Lily's full name is Lilith, which was great. More biblical names. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess Lilith is not in the Bible. She's in the Apocrypha, um, I think. But anyway, okay, somebody is uh, engaged to someone who went to divinity school. <laughs> no kidding. So um, I also watch a lot of Supernatural. So. Um, so I think at this point, like, they're in the woods and Lily doesn't have her powers because her friends have bound all of their power so that they can't they can't hurt anyone. And we get this great sequence where her friends show up. She's been unbound. They are unbound. They're going to fight Adam. We get, like, a great um, reimagining of the famous, probably the most famous line from the entire film, The Craft, where he's like, you girls should be careful out in the woods at night. There's a lot of weirdos out here. And Tabby is like, we are the weirdos, Mm -hmm. mister. Which, I mean, you couldn't have gotten away without saying it. And it came at such a triumphant moment. I was like, fuck yeah, this is how you make a craft sequel. Um, And so they fight and they beat him and he's done. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. so we it's just like really nice we get this like we get again these four women these four girls working together being incredibly strong together and taking care of each other um and our movie sort of wraps with lily and her mom uh moving moving out of moving out of this town and getting away from sort of um this trauma that is there which i actually had really mixed feelings about because i was kind of like this seems like the first time that lily has ever had friends and yeah and you're leaving why don't you just stay in town i i don't think they were finished her high school i don't think they were leaving forever i thought she was just going like for the day because she's going okay maybe that's what's happening but i also had mixed feelings about it too because i was like Okay, yeah, so David Duchovny was evil, but, like, what about his sons? Yeah, and there's a really sad part where we see, like, his sons are in his weird, like, uh, MRA group Mm -hmm. therapy sessions, which are, like, really troubling and sad to watch. And, yeah, like you said, I mean, it seems clear that, um, that his sons have also been deeply harmed by them, by him. Yeah, especially um, his youngest son is, like, clearly, like, having mixed feelings about it. And yeah. I, yeah, so I had, yeah, I was just like, I don't know, like, I guess it's not her response, her mom's responsibility, but, again, coming at this from a blended family perspective, I was like, oh, but, like... 
what happens to the boys and like <laughs> yeah what about at least the one cool one who was like <laughs> open I, I mean I thought honestly I thought all three of the boys like I, I think it's interesting because none of them are very fleshed out characters. None it's of them like, are, oh, this actually. is what it looks like when men are, or like when boys are written as like girls, right? It's like they're kind of there to move the plot along and they don't really have a ton of. Um, yeah, totally. F- f- personality traits on their own. But I do think that like the little bit of backstory and understanding we get of each of them makes each of them very complicated and sympathetic, um, which I really, really like. Yes, I agree. Like, and that scene of him, like, screaming that the boy, at that point, who we think has killed himself, was weak. Who was his best friend. Yeah, like... And his dad is, like, yelling at him for crying and being like, don't be weak, you're not weak, he was weak. Yeah. Like, that scene was devastating. Yeah. It was so sad. And And even the youngest boy that you were saying is the coolest, or was was the, like, cool one, like, it was so sad to hear him talk about his dad and he's like... You know, he's he can be really mean, but it's because he loves us. Like, he had been so indoctrinated yeah. by his dad. Well, like, he said, and really he said, sad. too, he says, like, um, power equals order. That's what my dad always says. Yeah. And I was like, doof, sure sounds like white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, it was a big old mess. Um, but also but the Hannah, fact I- that his, like, all male energy, like, masculine man rules the world therapy group uses snaps to support each other really cracked me up because i was like (laughs) sure (laughs) that is pretty funny um it was great for the sound design like it made the when she's first coming down the stairs and you just hear the snapping but you don't know what it is it's like this weird yeah um unidentified sound that was very creepy um so hannah we it sounds like we both really liked this movie i'm curious on a scale of one to five bloody mary's where you're going to put the craft legacy. So um, I have two things to say. Number one, I've been thinking about this all day because I love this movie. I really did. And I thought I thought it did such a good job for being a sequel to such a like beloved movie. And yep. But I was also like, am I biased because I just love Zoe Lister-Jones so much? Um, and I have literally been like watching her since I was this age and wanting like her to be a to become a champion um but also because we were just talking about this the scariness of the snaps um we didn't talk at all about the scene when she wakes up in the middle of the night and there was like a man's shadow in her room oh yeah i was like this is not gonna be good for my fear of the dark um well don't worry it was just her stepbrother sleepwalking and you live alone so Right, 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 right. Although I have questions about that, too, because his the other brother came in right away and was like, oh, he must be sleepwalking again. And I was like, how does he know? And that made me think that the dad was like, if the dad was like a warlock, was he like in control of that? I don't know, man, because it's also the same night that Timmy kills himself. So I was like, is it related to that somehow? Like, that was just like a weird thing that didn't ever get explained that I have been trying to sort out. It was kind of like this spider scene from The Covenant. <laughs> oh, yeah, where it's like, why would this be here? But it really scared me when she was like walking around and she kept seeing like the shadow of a man. Oh, yeah, terrifying. Um, but Didn't like it at all. I think I would give this movie... I feel like I'm turning into you because I feel like I'm giving out a lot of four out of five stars lately. Um, 
And albeit you used to give it five out of five a lot, but I think this one I would give it a good solid four out of five stars. Yeah. Here's the thing, Hannah. People who don't know us, um, you only get to hear us review movies on this podcast. But I promise we don't always like movies this much. (laughs) Um, In fact, I watched one of the films I watched for Sundance. I'm going to rate much, much lower than this. Uh, Hate to say it, not going to name it, but I didn't like it. Yeah, dare I say that? I mean, honestly, it's like, it's our podcast. So. Yeah, we pick stuff that we want to watch. We pick stuff we want to watch. And we. A lot of times we pick movies that are appealing to us as women that give us a lot more to talk about than a lot of other, like, trash movies. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, I'm sure at some point you'll get to hear us, like, really complain and be upset about a movie and give it a terrible review, but we're just not there right now. Um, It's really funny, just as a side note, I just finished listening to all of In Myers We Trust, which is uh, Matt Gorley and Paul Rust, they did in Voorhees We Trust first, and they did all of the Friday the 13th movies. So in Myers We Trust, they did all of the Halloween movies, and every review is like two plus hours long. And they reviewed both of the Rob Zombie Halloween movies, which I famously fucking hate. If we reviewed those on this show, whoo, wow, would my rating be not a five. Yeah, we refuse um, to give them a platform. That's a yeah. good example of a movie that I've never seen, but feel as if I've had because of hearing every single thing about it from you. Yeah. And it was funny because when they did the first one, Matt Gorley gave it a zero out of 13. And then when they did the second one, he gave it a one and he's like, but I'm only giving it a one because I gave the last one a zero. And this one was a little bit better. But if the last one didn't exist, I would give this a zero. (laughs) And I was like, there have definitely been a lot of movies. Like if you think that I am just all rainbows and gumdrops, you should go read some of my reviews on bloody good horror. Cause, uh, I, 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 I've been known to give out like a half a star. <laughs> it happens. We just watch fun stuff for this podcast. Well, yeah, it's, so, uh, it's also because it's like, you know, sometimes we like to pick one for being terrible and being fun because it's terrible. But also sometimes, and you know, now more than ever in a time like this. <laughs> nobody wants to watch something that they, that makes them mad. Yeah, right exactly. Now. I want a horror movie, as you say, that feels like a warm hug. <laughs> Yeah. So you're landing on four out of five, it sounds like. Yes, four out of five. But I also was just realizing, like, I don't drink Bloody Marys anymore. Um, so I was like, do I still rate things out of a Bloody Mary system, or do I need to pick a new thing? I don't know. Well, you'll have to think about it before our next uh, episode and decide if you're going to switch your scale. Because, I mean, I do love a Bloody Mary. It just don't love me. Yeah. Well, I am, I think, going to land in exactly the same spot and also give this movie a four out of five Bloody Marys. But it's going to be four Bloody Marys for the patriarchy, and they're all full of period blood. So drink up, gentlemen, that's all I have to say. Um, On our In Ladier News this week, I have a very exciting piece of news to share that uh, just happened today as we record so it will be monday as you listen because we're going to release this over the weekend but today monday february 1st it was announced that uh, u.s voting rights activist and democratic party politician stacy abrams has been nominated for the nobel peace prize (gasps) 
for her work in promoting nonviolent change via the ballot box. Oh my God. Listeners of this show know that we fucking love Stacey Abrams. And do you know what's so crazy about that too? Is that today when I was trying to, before I knew you had something, I was like, we're going to need in later news today. And I was like, we haven't talked about Stacey Abrams in a while. I was like, I should just Google Stacey Abrams. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I scooped you. But I did it because you said you had something. So I was like, oh, okay. I'll wait and see what Sophie has. And it's like, yes. Yeah. We fucking love her. Stacey Abrams is not only a personal hero of ours. She also loves Buffy. Um, and she has, I think, the most perfect and mature understanding of when and why Buffy should be shipped with Spike and Angel. She's just a delight of a human being, and I could not be more ecstatic that she's been nominated. Um, I really hope that she's recognized. I think she has done um, more for this country in the last couple years than most other people in this country. Most other politicians, Um, that's for damn sure. For sure. The thing, like... You shouldn't need to be inspired by Stacey Abrams. Like, there should be plenty of reasons for you to already be on board. But just in case you're not, this woman fucking ran for governor of Georgia and got cheated out of it Mm -hmm. in, like, the most horrendous and bullshit, like, stupid back, just, like, backdoor politics nonsense, all the, like, swamp shit that we don't like. And instead of giving up, she was like, you know what? I'm going to take what I've learned about how broken the system is and try to fix it and make it better for everybody else. So Stacey Abrams is a goddamn hero. So like when they vote for the Oscars and they say like, um, for your consideration, for your consideration, who votes? Give Stacey Abrams the Oscar. Like, well, who votes for the Nobel Peace Prize? I think there's a Nobel committee. Okay, that, well, that, if you know anyone in that committee, tell them. <laughs> Start sending them emails. For their consideration, Stacey Abrams. <laughs> so uh, we'll keep you posted. I'll try to keep tabs on that. And, and also, uh, I just have to say, too, because we're talking about this, that, okay, so, and I'm so sorry, Sophie, because I know this is, like, not the platform that you want this to be used for, but I'm a huge Real Housewives fan. God, I got so nervous about what you're gonna say. This is fine. No. I mean, I prefer this didn't. I would prefer this wasn't happening, but it's okay. But my favorite Real Housewife. <laughs> she's been my favorite Real Housewife for pretty much the last like six years. Portia has always been my favorite Real Housewife, and it took a very long time for everybody to get on board with me. But part of what I mean, she was amazing. She got everybody on her side even before this. But she has really, really turned her platform as a real housewife into really promoting some, like, to really, like, using the platform that she has as, like, a celebrity to get people to learn more and and focus more on just, like, injustice everywhere. Um, but on her... Instagram, like, constantly. She's always like, don't forget, Stacey Abrams is killing it. Oh, just a reminder 
this week, Stacey Abrams still killing it. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. That is spectacular. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad that we could bring together two things and two people that you love in this way. Um, maybe Portia will win the Nobel Peace Prize, too. I still have hope. You don't even know, okay? Like, <laughs> this girl, I love her to death went from being in her early 20s and thinking that the Underground Railroad was an actual train to actually, like, doing some real-ass, good-ass work. So I'm really proud of her. (laughs) Well, I love that. If you would like to tell us what awesome lady you would nominate for Nobel Peace Prize, you can do that via email. You can send an email to the number 28 dayslatier at gmail.com. You could also tell us over on Twitter where we are at the number 28 dayslady underscore ER. We always love to hear from you. Um, and if you write us uh, an email, we may just read it here on the show. Hannah, do you have anything that we need to tell the listeners on their way out? Like maybe about aftercare if you're going to masturbate with a sweatshirt? Um. Well, I would say... I'm going to go, I'm going to break character a little bit here and say, um, go to bettershirts.org and also always pee after sex. Always. <laughs> I like how you got a plug in. I appreciate the hustle. Yeah, dude. I mean, I realized really the other day it's been almost a year and I was like, mm, I got to kick up my game a little bit more. But always pee after She's sex. Even if you're having sex under a full moon with a witch on the beach. Or alone with a sweatshirt at your house. Yes, wherever you are, just make sure you pee after. Actually, wait, keep this in. You know what's crazy? <laughs> oh, God, I can't wait. Okay, what? so never has there been such a, uh, I mean, I, I, okay, so um, reality television, yes, I do love it. There's a reality show on Bravo called Below Deck. Are you familiar I've heard of it because I think you and our brother watch it. Yes. So Ryan and Lauren do watch it occasionally. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. this season on Below Deck, there was a moment where two people had had sex and jokingly, and they're probably like in their early 20s, two people who had had sex, and jokingly, one of the guys who was like in his mid-30s was like, well, I hope you peed after. And they were like, what? And he was like, yes you should always pee after sex. And they were both like, wait, really? And he was like, yes. Like, literally everyone should always pee after sex. Everybody, but especially women, always pee after sex. And then... Hannah, he stole your thing. Dude, I kid you not. The next episode, this one girl on the ship, she has a, um, a, an immuno... What is it called when you have a disease that affects your immune system? She's immunocompromised? I guess. So she got sick. Or she has some kind of immunodeficiency yes. disorder. So she got sick, and when she went to the doctor, she had, like, five different things going on. But it was more so because she has a problem where it's, like, when she gets sick, it, it attacks her everywhere. And so, like, one of the things she had was a UTI. But then, at the same time, the girl, other girl who had had sex got a UTI as well. And when they called in the doctor for her, she was like, how, like, how did this happen? And she was like, are UTIs contagious? And the doctor was like, uh, no. And she was like, 
Oh. And I was, like, watching this, and I was just like, oh, my God. People really don't know that they need to be peeing after sex. (laughs) So, we'll say it again, Hannah. Always pee after sex. (laughs) 